1 Chronicles chapter number 28. If you have a copy of the Word of God tonight and will, turn please to the book of 1 Chronicles chapter number 28. <clears throat> I've been kind of back and forth today about trying to find what the Lord would have for us to do in the service and uh, try to be obedient unto Him and to find His will for this hour. And uh, this keeps coming to my heart. And so I'm going to try my best just to give you what the Lord has dealt with my heart about for this time. And to try not to keep you very long tonight. But if you'll pray for us, that the Lord will help us and to touch us together tonight. First Chronicles chapter 28, if you found your place, if you're willing, able to do so, we'll stand together out of reverence to the reading of the Word of God. <clears throat> I want to begin reading in verse number 1 of 1 Chronicles chapter number 28. David assembled all the princes of Israel, the princes of the tribes, and the captains of the companies that ministered to the king by course, and the captains over the thousands, and captains over the hundreds, Stewards over all the substance and possession of the king and of his sons with the officers and with the mighty men, with all the valiant men unto Jerusalem. <clears throat> then David the king stood up upon his feet and said, Hear me, my brethren and my people. As for me, I had it in mine heart to build a house of rest for the ark of the covenant of the Lord for the footstool of our God, and had made ready for the building. But God said unto me, Thou shalt not build a house for my name, because thou hast been a man of war, and hast shed blood. Howbeit the Lord God of Israel chose me before all the house of my father, to be king over Israel forever. For he hath chosen Judah to be the ruler, and of the house of Judah the house of my father, and among the sons of my father, he liked me to make me king over all Israel. And of all my sons, for the Lord hath given me many sons, he hath chosen Solomon, my son, to sit upon the throne of the kingdom of the Lord over Israel. And he said unto me, Solomon thy son, he shall build my house and my courts. For I have chosen him to be my son, and I will be his father." Moreover, I will establish his kingdom forever, if he be constant to do my commandments and my judgments as at this day. Now therefore, in the sight of all Israel, the congregation of the Lord, and in the audience of our God, keep and seek for all the commandments of the Lord your God, that ye may possess this good land, and leave it for an inheritance for your children after you forever." And thou, Solomon, my son, know thou the God of thy father. Serve him with a perfect heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searcheth all hearts and understandeth all the imaginations of the thoughts. If thou seek him, he will be found of thee. But if thou forsake him, he will cast thee off forever. Take heed now, for the Lord hath chosen thee to build a house for the sanctuary be strong and do it. Then David gave to Solomon his son the pattern of the porch and of the houses thereof and of the treasuries thereof 
and of the upper chambers thereof, and of the inner parlors thereof, and of the place of the mercy seat, and the pattern of all that he had by the Spirit, of the courts of the house of the Lord, and of all the chambers round about, of the treasuries of the house of God, and of the treasuries of the dedicated things, also for the courses of the priests and the Levites, for all the work of the service of the house of the Lord, and for all the vessels of service in the house of the Lord. He gave of gold by weight for things of gold, for all instruments of all manner of service, silver also for all instruments of silver by weight, for all instruments of every kind of service, even the weight for the candlesticks of gold, for their lamps of gold by weight for every candlestick, and for the lamps thereof, and for the candlesticks of silver by weight, both for the candlestick and also for the lamps thereof, according to the use of every candlestick. By weight he gave gold for the tables of showbread for every table, likewise silver for the tables of silver, also pure gold for the flesh hooks and the bowls and the cups, and for the golden basins he gave gold by weight for every basin, likewise silver by weight for every basin of silver, for the altar of incense, refined gold by weight, and gold for the pattern of the chariot of the cherubims that spread out their wings, covered the ark of the covenant of the Lord. All this, said David, the Lord made me understand in writing, by his hand upon me, even all the works of this pattern. David said to Solomon his son, Be strong and of good courage, and do it. Fear not, nor be dismayed. For the Lord God, even my God, will be with thee. He will not fail thee nor forsake thee until thou hast finished all the work for the service of the house of the Lord. And behold, the courses of the priests and the Levites, even they shall be with thee for all the service of the house of God. And there shall be with thee for all manner of workmanship every willing, skillful man and for any manner of service. Also the princes and all the people will be holy at thy commandment. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. We read these verses here and I'll try my best to just give you what's on my heart. The Lord will help me and touch me tonight and you'll pray for me. I thought about as we read these verses, we find that in the context of the scripture that David is nearing the end of his days. In uh, chapter 29, the next chapter to the end, we'll find that David dies and in a good old age, the Bible says, full of days, riches, and honor, and Solomon his son reigned in his stead. Of course, we know that David, as he makes known here, he gathers all of the people of Israel together. And he's going to charge Solomon, his son, in the sight of all Israel. But he's not only going to charge Solomon, but he's going to charge all of Israel with Solomon. And the process that's being taken place here and all the things that have been fulfilled is to build a house for the dwelling of the Lord. To build a temple where the Lord would meet with his people. It's in the heart of David to do so. David brings the ark, he was uh, at the forefront of bringing the ark of the covenant back from the hand of the enemies of God back into Jerusalem. During the days of Saul, all his rulership 
After that it was taken away by the hand of the Philistines. They inquired not at all about the ark of the covenant of God. Of course the ark represented the presence of God. And everywhere the ark went, God vowed that he would follow with it with the people of God. Uh, And so all the days of Saul, after Saul is rejected from being ruler, after God withdraws his power from Saul, after uh, the evil spirit comes in, then the Philistines come and they take away the ark of the covenant of God. Uh, And it's in that day, we read about it not too long ago, uh, uh, it's in the days of Samuel when Eli, uh, Samuel's a young boy and Eli's the priest and uh, the ark's taken captive and carried away and Eli falls off the stool where he's sitting and dies and, and then it seems like it's just a downward spiral among the people of God because the ark is not present with them and so David becomes king after Saul and Jonathan died David looks one day after they brought the ark in he's dwelling in a palace in a grand house and he looks and the ark of God is under a tent And David said, how can I dwell in my house while the ark of God abides under a tent? In other words, David said, I would rather dwell in the tent and let the ark of God have my house. I want to build a house, a place of honor, a place of reverence for God to dwell, for the ark of God to dwell, and for his people to come and worship him there. And of course, David consults with Nathan. He's the prophet at the time. And Nathan says, do what's on your heart. It sounds good. But as Nathan is leaving, God speaks to Nathan and says, Go back and tell David I won't allow him because of the things that he's done in the past, because he is guilty of blood. He killed Uriah the Hittite by his own word and by his own decree, and he shed blood. He's been a man of war as well, and I cannot allow him the honor and the privilege to build my house. And so it kind of let the air out of David. David didn't understand. David had good intentions, but it wasn't the will of God. Good intentions is not always enough. Good intentions are not always the will of God for our life. But God made a covenant with David and said, I won't allow you to build it because you've shed blood and been a man of war, but I'll give you a son. And I'll make a covenant with him and I'll let him build the house and I will honor him. And of course that son would be Solomon. And so now, David's coming to the end of his life. I don't know, we're not told 100% the age of Solomon at the time that he ascends the throne, but we do know that David makes the statement that Solomon is young and tender. That's what he says to the people of Israel. He's gathered them together to charge them to support Solomon because he's a young man fixing to take a very high responsibility and a high office over the people of God. But I'm interested tonight and God began to deal with my heart. I began to pray and ask the Lord about what to preach tonight. And He dealt with my heart about spiritual leadership. And that's what's on my heart, spiritual leadership. And I got to thinking about this scripture. I came down and as David has gathered all of Israel together and he's gathered Solomon together and he's already in verse number 9 he's charged Solomon in the sight of all Israel and he's told him to know the God of thy father and serve him with a perfect heart and a willing mind and to take heed now and do what the work of God that God has chosen him to do and then in verse number 11 is where my heart is. 
The Bible said then David gave to Solomon his son the pattern. And it begins to read off or name off or list off all the patterns that God had given unto David. Now David was not going to build the house. David was not the man for that hour. But David had been close enough to God that God had given him the pattern of how to build the house. And he was expected to give that pattern unto Solomon. And I look around in these days and many of the things that we have experienced, that we have learned about of the things of God and the ways of God, the patterns of how things are supposed to go and how things are supposed to be done. It's our responsibility as spiritual leaders, as mothers and fathers, as grandfathers and grandmothers, as older Christians and elders in the church to be sure that we represent and give and pass off these patterns to those that will come after us. There are many instances and many illustrations and many types in the Word of God. I thought about Paul when he came to the island after he was in the storm in Acts 27 and there the barbarous people had kindled a fire and Paul gathered sticks to put on the fire. He did not start the fire but Paul did his part to keep the fire going. You and I have inherited a fire and a work in these days. We did not start the fire. We were not there when it was established. But there are those who have gone on before us that have done their part, laid their wood in order, have given us the pattern and now the responsibility falls to us to do our part to put our wood in order and give out the pattern that we have been given unto those that come after us. But I'm afraid we've come to a generation that's more interested in the patterns and the things of the world than they are in the patterns of the things of God. And I begin to read this and I want to just uh, talk to you a minute about what the Lord has put on my heart as I began to read these uh, things. And they're not listed here just to take up space, but God uh, in His sovereign will and plan and in ordaining His book and writing out every word puts this list here for a reason. I believe that all of these things, uh, if you study the temple and, and the way it was set up, they were all necessary parts. Uh, Solomon could not leave one part out. If he was going to build the house uh, the way God intended, the way that God had given David the pattern that every pattern of every part must be given unto Solomon and David wanted to make sure that he didn't leave anything undone for the next generation. Not only, and really, if you study the scripture, God gave David the pattern. He didn't require anything else, but David did not just give Solomon the pattern, but David made preparation to build a house that he would never build. Or to build a house David would never see, but David laid in store gold and silver and all the material that would be needed, and he commanded and he asked for willing donations of the people of God to the work of the the house of God and all the preparation for Solomon's success in spiritual things were made by David for things he would never see. And it says here in the scripture in verse number 11, then David gave to Solomon his son the pattern of the porch. Now if you study this, I'm just going to go through these real quickly 
give you what's on my heart and be done and we'll go. But if you study about the porch of the temple, that was the way you get in. And so David gave Solomon the pattern of how to get in. I wonder tonight if we have lived a life, if we have walked to walk, if we have given evidence to show our children the right way to get in. Now you could name that many ways. Have we shown them the right way to get in the family of God? That it's not about church membership. And it's not about baptism. And it's not about signing a card. It's not about shaking a hand. It's not a Sunday morning. Have we lived a life to show them that it's not a Sunday morning only religion. That it's not a two day a week of religion. It's not a three times a week religion. But this is a, a daily walk. And the only way that you can get in the family of God is that you must be born again. But then I wonder about when we come to the house of God as the people of God and we come in the service and the Spirit of God begins to move. I wonder, uh, those of us that have grown up around here, I don't know how some of you may term it, but all of my life I've always, when we went to the house of God and the Spirit of God got to moving and the preacher uh, preached under under the power of God, everybody would always say, well, he got in today or we uh, got in today. And I wonder about when we come to the house of God and all these young people that God's blessed us with and even these little ones that we think are not taking any notice, not paying any attention, but oh, they're taking more notice than you realize and they're picking up on more than you realize. I wonder when we come in the house of God and the Spirit of God gets to move it, are we giving our children the pattern of what it looks like, of what it means to get in on the things of God? Solomon was given the pattern of the porch. How? To get in where God was. I wonder about when we go to our prayer place and pray, do we show our children what it is to get in? I don't know any other way. I'm just preaching how it's on my heart tonight. But I wonder about it. Are we giving, are we passing on the pattern of how to get in? Then the Bible said that he gave Solomon the pattern of the porch and of the houses thereof. You dwell in a house. I wonder if we're giving our children the pattern of what it means to dwell in the presence of the Lord. Not just, I'm afraid in, and we live in a day where a lot of people, all they think about, and there's, uh, please don't misunderstand me, there's nothing wrong uh, with a vacation here and there and every now and again. Uh, I think a lot of people go overboard, but there's nothing wrong uh, with one every now and again. But we live in a, uh, we are geared in vacation mindset about everything. And we work all week for the weekend because it's a vacation from work. It's just, it's the mindset of America. And it's crept over in the church. We treat the things of God like a vacation. We go every now and then, partake every now and then, have a good time. I don't mean that derogatory. I'm not being disrespectful. But we come to the house of God. We have a good service one time a month. And we feel like we've arrived. And that's all we need. That's not the desire of God. Christianity's not a vacation. A walk with God's not an every now and then thing. A dwelling in Canaan's not you go there for two or three weeks of the year. But it's a place where God desires His children to dwell there. I wonder tonight are we giving our children the pattern of the houses 
the children, our children the pattern of what it is to dwell in the presence of God. David said, he got down there in his psalm and he said, Surely goodness and mercy will follow me. And we quote that psalm and it's so well known, one of the most well known chapters in all the Word of God. But we don't even think what we're saying or what the Scriptures say. We've heard it so much. He said, Surely goodness and mercy will follow me and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I wonder about if we're giving our children the pattern of what it means to dwell in the presence of God. I wonder how many times, and I'm just trying to follow God, I wonder how many times that we come to the house of God and the Lord moves and it affects us. Now I'm not talking about just emotionally being stirred. I understand that the emotions are linked very closely with the spirit of man. And a lot of times when our soul or our spirit is affected, it will affect our emotions. I understand all that. But we're running an emotionally driven day. We're in an emotionally driven church world where they think if we're emotionally affected, we're spiritually affected. And I'm not preaching about being emotionally affected. I'm preaching about far greater than that. Being spiritually affected when we come out of the house of God and it affects us. I wonder how many times we went out of the house of God and our children could tell on the ride home or on the break in between the Sunday morning and the Sunday night service or the days maybe. Maybe we've come in on a Sunday night and the power of God's fell or the conviction of God through the preaching of the Word of God and it's pricked our heart about where we need to move up and go out of God and it's affected us. I wonder how many times we walked out on Sunday night and our children could see a difference in us Monday and Tuesday until we come back to the house of God on Wednesday. I wonder how many times we dwell in the presence of God. But how often do we just come in and we have, I'm not doing any detriment or disrespect to the services, but we have a, a good service and then we get outside and we're so bombarded by everything, by technology, by business, by hobbies, by tomorrow. We can't live in today in the power of God for worrying about tomorrow and what we got to do tomorrow. I'm telling you, we better be leaving a pattern of dwelling in the presence of God. And so he gave to Solomon his son the pattern of the porch and the pattern of the houses. The next one says, and of the treasuries thereof. I wonder if we showed our children how rich this old time way really is. I wonder if we've shown our children what a treasure it is to be in this way. That's what the Bible said. He gave Solomon the pattern of where to store all the goodies. That's really mountain language. That's what it was. How to put all the gold and all the silver, all the fine things, all the things that you couldn't just go out and get anywhere else in the world. You had to come in the house of God. And I wonder tonight if we've showed our children how good it is to come. How many times have we got up and we're like the psalmist. We're glad when they said unto us, let us go into the house of the Lord. How many times do we get up and we can't wait to go to the house of God? Do they see that in us? Or is it a drudgery? Is it like pulling teeth? Is it a dread? Oh God, help us. There's great riches in this way. I wonder how many times we've come to the house of God or I don't want to just major on the house of God, but I do understand there's something special about the house of God. But not just maybe the house of God, maybe you've went 
out to your prayer place and I pray that I'm not preaching anything foreign to you tonight. You better have a prayer place. You better pray. I'm not saying you got to go home and build some kind of altar to kneel down at. I, I'm not even saying you necessarily got to go to the same place every day. I know a routine may not work for one that works for the other, but you better have somewhere and sometime that you call out to God. And I wonder when the last time we've come to the house of God or we've went to our prayer place or we've read the word of God and God spoke to us. And it's like when we open the page of this book, it's like a big old gold saucer come out or a bag of silver that the world's money cannot buy and God's laid it in our lap or we've come to the house of God and the power of God's full. Maybe the preacher preached, maybe he didn't. Maybe the breeze of the old north country blew over our soul and the Holy Ghost met with us and filled our wagons for the goodies from yonder's world and we showed our children what it was like how to get in where the goodies are we better be showing them the pattern now when I say the pattern it's not that there's some one two three magical formula but there is some requirements there are some requirements for the people of God to live right and want God and desire God. And if you live right and desire Him, I'm talking about really desire Him. He won't get hard to find. I wonder if we've showed them that there's some riches in this way. That there's some treasuries. I wonder how many times that we've come to the house of God and treated it like some of them starving folks did in Joseph's day when they went to Egypt to get corn out of the storehouse and they knew if they didn't get there and get where Joseph was that they was going to die they wasn't going to make it I wonder when the last I say oh me I, I can't preach at you tonight I say oh me the last time I've come to the house of God I feel like i got to get where he's at and i got to get something from the storehouse i got to get in the treasure where all the good things are where I'm not going to make it in this way I wonder when they saw that on us. Lord, help us. The treasuries thereof. It just gets better as the list goes, I think. There's the ports, I swear to get in. There's the house that's dwelling in the presence of God. There's the treasuries. That's where the riches are. The provision is. Then it said the upper chambers. There's a place. There was places in the temple that were higher than others. I wonder tonight if we've Showing our children how to get in them higher places. The higher you get, the closer you get. I wonder tonight about them close places, them times. Now, I'm not talking about uh, uh, just uh, words, but I do want to say this. I think it would be good for you to sit your children down from time to time and maybe tell them about some days and days gone by when you went in the upper chamber. Now I don't think it ought to all just be words. I think there ought to be sometimes we come into the house of God that our children will watch us. They may not fully understand what's taking place at the time, but it will show them the pattern. And when they get to the age, they'll look back and understand on that night or that morning or that service or in the prayer place or at the bar or at the kitchen sink. Mama or daddy or grandma or grandpa, they went to the upper chamber. Are we leaving a pattern on how to get there? It was in the upper chamber. Now we can, I, I'm just going to apply this real biblically now through the scripture. It was in the upper chamber where the Holy Ghost was poured out. 
I wonder if we've left them a pattern to show them there's more to it than just an experience of salvation and just your name on the roll of a church somewhere and just coming to church three times a week. And just, and I'm not, I don't mean just, and meaning derogatory, but there's more to it than just coming to church. There's more to it than just reading your Bible. There's more to it than just praying. Anybody can do that. But what about having the Spirit? What about being filled with the Spirit? What about having the influence and the impact of the Holy Ghost on your life? We show them that pattern. And then he said, and of the inner parlors thereof. The inner parlors were those places where not just anybody could go, but there were places of, I think they represent fellowship and communion. You weren't out in the court with everybody else. You weren't in a great big crowd. You just went in them inner places where it's just you and God. Because the next statement that's going to be made is and of the place of the mercy seat. That was a secret place where there wasn't but two could be present in that place and that was one man and God. I don't know if this is resonating in you at all tonight. I hope it is. But I wonder tonight what kind of pattern we're showing our children about them experiences that we had when it didn't matter how many people were in the building. We got beyond the people and beyond the place and beyond the crowd and beyond the service and beyond the preacher and beyond the scripture and it was just us and God. What kind of pattern? And the pattern of all Verse 12 says the pattern of all that he had by the Spirit. This wasn't just something he had made up or come up with by himself. This was given to him by God. And then it says, and I'm done tonight, in verse 13 it says he gave the pattern for all the work of the service and for all the vessels of the service. I wonder if we're showing our children the right way to serve God in these dark days. The right way to serve God in these dark days. I'm telling you, they're going to get, they are getting bombarded. I know some of them are not of the age yet to understand, but they are getting and going to get bombarded by everything negative coming and going. So all the world dwells on is negative, negative, negative. Hopelessness and helplessness and greed and corruption and deception and despair. It's all the world breeds on. That's all they talk about. And I wonder if we're giving them a pattern of how wonderful it is. I thought about it come to my mind. The songwriter said, and I don't know who wrote it. I've heard a bunch of people sing it over the years. The longer I serve him, the sweeter he grows. I wonder if that's the pattern we're showing of service to our children. The longer I serve him, the sweeter he grows. The more that I love Him, more love He bestows. Each day's like heaven. My cup overflows. For the longer I serve Him, the sweeter He grows. David knew he didn't have much time left. He knew if he was going to do what he needed to do, he needed to do it while he had the time. And I'm going to tell you, I'm looking around in these days at what's going on in our world, and I'm confident to say there's not a lot of time left. We know what we need to be doing. 
And we know how the Lord's blessed. And I'm not talking about just here in the church. But the Lord has blessed us here in the church with a lot of young people. We got young families and we got a bunch of kids. But then there are those of you who have family outside the church, children and grandchildren. We better be showing some patterns of the thing. They're going to get it. The world's going to give them all their patterns. You don't have to worry about that. The world's going to show them all their patterns. But it's up to us as the people of God, as this older generation to these young ones, we better be showing them the pattern of the things of God. The pattern of how to get in. The pattern of the glory place to dwell. The pattern of that secret place where it's just us and God. The pattern of the treasury. Don't Please don't live your life in front of them like serving God's a drudgery. It ain't a drudgery, it's a joy. And I know there are days that our flesh is weak. And I know there are days that we struggle. But don't show your children. Don't portray to them like it's just a, a drudgery and a defeat and a discouragement to serve God. It's a joy. It's a joy. Don't get in the car and go down the road and say, well, church wasn't much. To, don't ever say that to your kids. Even if it wasn't much. And I know, I know I'm the preacher. I know how many times that I fail and I fumble and I don't do a very good. I understand all that. But don't say that in front of them. If you want to think that, fine. But don't broadcast that to them. Get in the car. And even if service was a little off, even if things weren't as good as they have been in days gone by, if you can't say anything else, just say, I was glad to go to church. Thank God for a church. Thank God for the Bible. Thank God for preaching. Thank God for the truth. Amen. And go home and leave it at that. But don't ever say, boy, it wasn't much today. Don't ever say, well, that preacher didn't hit a lick today. And I know I don't sometimes. Don't ever bad mouth, even if, I know there are times, I'm trying to be real careful here, but it's on my heart that maybe your toes get stepped on by the preaching and maybe you don't like it. Maybe it does make you uncomfortable. Maybe it convicts you. Don't get in the car and say, he don't have no business preaching like that. If it's in the Bible and it's coming from God, it is my business. This book right here, says that God, and I'm going to stay scriptural, that God has made me the overseer. And in 1 Peter, Peter is writing the elders. It's not elders in age, it's elder in office. 1 Peter chapter 5. Would be what we would call pastors. Those words are interchangeable in the scripture. Bishop, elder, pastor. It's those that have authority or the, the care of the people of God. And Peter says, feed the flock of God which is among you. Taking the oversight thereof, not, not to, of constraint, but willingly, and of a ready mind, not greedy of filthy lucre. He's painting a picture of a shepherd. A shepherd has way more responsibility than just putting feed out for the sheep. Everything, the sheep have to be checked. The sheep have to be guarded against. There are wolves. And Paul was going to write about that, that there are grievous wolves that will come in, not sparing the flock. All of those are responsibilities of the overseer. 
And there are going to be times if you study Scripture and you study Bible history, the shepherds often would lead their flocks into a lowland and they would perch on a high mountain and they would, the sheep would be so busy eating and grazing and tending themselves a lot of times that the shepherd would see things the sheep never were aware of. And the shepherd would move the sheep from a place that maybe they wanted to be and they didn't understand it and they didn't want to go but the shepherd knew if they abode there there was danger that awaited them. And so the reality is sometimes and it's not if a preacher's right with God and a pastor's right with God loves God and loves his people he don't want to preach rough. It it grieves him to preach rough and it grieves me at times. But I'm telling you, there are things that God has spoke to my heart that I've seen that maybe you've not seen that spiritually He's getting off that I'm some high and mighty person. But I got this calling on me and this responsibility that I can't do without the help of God. He showed me some things. And I've had to preach a little rough at times. But it's to guard the sheep from danger. And it may seem like at the time, maybe I don't care. And it may seem like I'm meddling. It may seem like I'm stepping on your toes. And you may feel like it's none of my business, but it's always for the benefit of the sheep. What we ought to do, especially before this younger generation, is go out and even if it did cut us, even if it did step on our toes, is we ought to say thank God for the preaching. Let our children know that it's not all fluffy clouds and babbling brooks. It ain't all. Well, it ain't all positive. It ain't all uh, on the mountaintop all the time. There's some instruction. There's some reproof. There's some rebuke. But it's all profitable unto us. And give our children the pattern of things that are to come. I pray maybe it's helped you tonight. It's what's been on my heart. I pray maybe the Lord's touched you. I think maybe we ought to stand tonight. Maybe if the Lord spoke to your heart, I'm done preaching. I don't know if maybe you need to come.